Deeply Discussing Movie Podcast. Every week we discuss a movie and then one of us suggests the next movie for us to watch and discuss. You can, uh, all the movies are available from the major streaming services so you can participate with us. I'm your host, Dale Maxfield. I'm joined this week by Alicia Walker. Hello. Josh Dean. Hi there. Nathan McKinney. Hello. And Zach Rowland. Hey. And this time we are talking about Nathan's suggestion, La Note. Uh, the synopsis is Nathan. What was the synopsis? Oh, oh I have to read it. I, I thought you were reading. Nope. Uh, <laughs> well, I'll just it. tell you, I don't have it pulled up on IMDb. Yeah. Um, basically a, uh, married couple who's been married quite a while, uh, spends a 24 hour period, um, figuring out that their marriage is dissolving and there's a lot of Italian spoken. Okay. Cool. Uh, but first, we're going to talk about what we've been watching lately. Josh, let's start with you. What have you been watching lately? Oh, I saw a um, pretty good little um, Western on Netflix called uh, The Harder They Fall. Um, if you uh, don't know the cast of this movie, it is uh, Idris Elba, Jonathan Majors, um, Regina King, Delroy Lindo, Lakeith Stanfield. It's an all-star cast. Um, and uh, I, uh, Zazie Beetz is in it, too. Um, it's uh, very much in the Tarantino style. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, but not in that late 90s, just hyper-violence and pop culture reference way that a lot of people ripped off Tarantino with. Um, it's more just super stylish, uh, super stylized, lots of zooms and freeze frames and things like that. Um, it's a lot of fun to watch. It's two and a half hours, which is longer than it needs to be. But um, I don't know. It's a lot of fun. Um, cool. Yeah, I'd suggest Sounds it. Sounds good. Where did it's you on, watch that? It's on Netflix. Netflix. Yeah. I'd like Zach, to second about- that. It, it was really good in fact that was my backup choice josh was to talk about that because it was a lot of fun yeah zach how about you yeah i have seen uh this is probably not a surprise for anybody who knows me but i have seen eternals twice in theaters uh both uh in the dolby cinema and the imax um i did not have any expectations for eternals i kind of i've stopped watching trailers i've stopped diving into you know, just speculation about especially big blockbuster popcorn style, you know, cinemas uh, things that I just want to be left to my own devices. And I had nothing really going into this. I don't really know the story of the Eternals very well from the comic books at all. Um, And I really enjoyed it. I can see there are, you know, some flaws in the storytelling to a certain degree. Um, But I did feel like Chloe Zhao for taking from basically going from when she did uh, Nomadland to Eternals, which are two starkly different films, she did a fantastic job. And I think that she handled doing something in the Marvel Universe very well. Um, visually, I think it looks really good. Uh, and you can tell that they're still you know, resting on the CGI a lot with that kind of stuff. But um, it looks good. It's a fun popcorn film. I think it's nice to introduce new characters and new actors um, because you know, there's a plethora from the comic book. So is that world. part of Marvel Phase Three? That f- I think this is Phase Four that they're in. Oh, okay. Yeah, um, and yes, this will be now part of the new storytelling that leads us up into other Phase Four um, things as well. So they'll they'll immerse themselves into other 
things now that nice. they've been established. But I, I just want him to get good. to doing a Planet Hulk movie. Uh, yeah, they I've just heard. announced She-Hulk uh, as a nice. series. Um, and it's going to be sort of like a Law & Order style drama, um, which I think will be really fascinating. <laughs> yeah, um, if they build her up and then make a movie <laughs> that's Planet Hulk or a, a season of She-Hulk that is the plot of Planet Hulk, like, yeah. I'd be all about it. I've yeah, heard they're, they're going to do World War Hulk as another mm, movie coming up. Nice. Uh, I just I love that they're finally getting to branch out and they're doing the odd stuff and they're doing things people haven't heard of and like they're just and they're and they're still good. So, I mean, you know, the, it's a very standard style of of telling the stories, but at the same time, I still love them. So, that was my recommendation. Right on. Alicia, how about you? Uh, Nathan and I ventured into the theater again this week, and we went to go see Wes Anderson's latest movie, The French Dispatch, and uh, it didn't disappoint. It was a lot of fun. Uh, we had a little problem with the delivery of the film in that it was a little blurry, and we felt like the screen, uh, they had the projection a little off for the sizing of the screen, so that was a little annoying, but um, like many good Wes Anderson films, there's all kinds of little you know, nuggets and Easter eggs and all kinds of fun stuff that I know upon repeat viewing, I will enjoy because the ones I caught, I would, you know, was thrilled with. And, you know, as with a lot of the others as well, a fantastic cast of characters. And um, I, I really enjoyed seeing uh, Jeffrey Wright added to the usual cast of characters mm-hmm. for Wes Anderson. And he did a tremendous job. And yeah, it's it's a lot of fun. And, and some of the favorites that usually are in a Wes Anderson movie, like Bill Murray, don't have huge parts, which I kind of like that they're just kind of this little background character that kind of pulls it all together. So uh, it's it's France, it's pastels, it's Wes Anderson, it's a good time. Nice. Uh, Nathan, what about you? Uh, so I've been chowing down on lots of film noir for uh, November. Um, I could talk about another uh, Georges Clouseau, Henri Georges Clouseau movie, um, which I loved, which was Verite. So it's my third of his movies that I've seen, and all three have been awesome. But I actually want to talk about Bad Day at Black Rock, um, which it's one of those movies with a title that I'd heard a billion times and really didn't know what it was about, but it just kind of stuck out. Um, it's one of the few that I've watched this month that was actually in color. Um, but it's basically Spencer Tracy shows up on a train that never stops in a very, very desolate town. And, uh, he's kind of on his own, uh, whim trying to find out what happened to an old friend of his. And you don't really know a lot as the movie progresses. It, It really keeps its cards close to its chest. So I'll try to keep my spoilers close to my chest as well, but I can definitely recommend it. It's It's got a great cast, um, and it's it's short and sweet, so uh, okay. it never wears out. It's welcome. I loved it. Nice. Well, um, I watched a bunch of stuff this week, but the thing that I'm most excited about is a movie I've been trying to track down since I saw it world premiere at TIFF 2019, And that is a movie called Instinct. Now, I've talked about it in the past. It's the one with uh, uh, the Melisandre from Game of Thrones. Uh, I'm trying to think of that actress's name off the top of my head, but uh, it'll come to me. Um, So, uh, um, 
it, it was really good. <laughs> it was it was a great movie that I saw at TIFF, and I could not find it anywhere um, on any of the streaming apps. I couldn't find it for sale anywhere. And finally, I got a Google alert that it showed up on Amazon UK in the original Dutch with English subtitles. So I bought a PAL formatted DVD copy of it from the UK. It shipped to me. It took like a week and a half to get here. But now I have a copy of Instinct and I can finally watch it and start sharing it with some people. So um, it's a crying shame that more people can't see that movie. It was really, really good. Um, the director and the uh, the star were at TIFF and uh, there's a great Q&A with them. Yes, Carice Van Houten. Thank you. Uh, she was there and the director was also there at the at the Q&A for uh, for the TIFF premiere, and they posted that entire Q&A video to uh, TIFF's website for free. So that video is not to be watched before you watch the movie, but it's a great insight into what they did and what they were trying to do and, and why they did made the movie the way they did, um, which is always the fun part for me. Is stuff. Uh, Nathan, have I... Go ahead. Well, what was the premise of that movie? Oh, okay. So, uh, Carice Van Houten plays a uh, uh, psychiatrist at a prison. In uh, she she's, she plays a guard at this like high security prison um, where like murderers and it'd be like a maximum security prison in the U.S. And she is. Uh, having an inappropriate relationship with one of her patients. And there's this interesting development of a power dynamic. And the director created it. um, They kind of wrote it together and then they kind of like got her to a place emotionally where she could act it, but it was very hard for her to act it. Um, Neither of them would watch it while we were watching it. It's, it's too painful. Um, but it is a sort of, um, a sort of story about the, uh, a, one of the most, um, sort of devious and, and surprising ways to, perform to, to, to sexually assault a uh, patient, a mental patient. So that's, that's the premise. Um, not a movie with a lot of nudity, not a movie with a lot of rape, but those are, those are the themes. Those are the things that, that make it suspenseful and, and keep you invested in it. And then it tells you a really great story as you go. Um, it's kind of like if an episode of Orange is the New Black was just about one character going about her day. So, Sounds intense. It is. It's very intense. Uh, and, you know, all the, all the trigger warnings in the world for it. But um, having said all those things, I think you're, you're prepared. And if it sounds like something you could watch, I highly recommend it. And then I want to talk to you about it. So... 
Um, Hannah and I loved it and, and loved getting to be part of the Q and a. So, um, so, uh, our movie this week was Nathan's suggestion. Lanant, uh, had anyone besides Nathan seen it before? No. So everybody's new. Um, Zach, let's start with you. What did you think of Lanant? Definitely a film that I would have probably never sought out or seen had it not been recommended to me. Um, I I thought it was interesting. I'm not in love with it. Uh, I'm still processing it to a certain degree. Um, I'm very curious to hear about others' opinions uh, in the sense that um, I have trouble sometimes with foreign films. I'm just that jerk, um, keeping my attention to that capacity. And this was, an, you know, it's an older film. It's a little slower. Um, the dynamics are interesting. I got a little lost. At first, I thought they were brother and sister. So that was weird. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then later on, I realized that they were a couple. And that's why I was like, when he did the uh, the moment where he, he had with the, the patient at the very beginning, I was like, oh, well, it's not a big deal. Like, you know, if that's his sister. Then he can do whatever he wants. And then later, I was like, oh, she has a wedding band on. Where's her husband? Is her husband the guy that was in the hospital? So once I got it all figured out, I was like, okay, okay, okay. I will say that um, uh, cinematography was beautiful. I really, really enjoyed the cinematography. And I think that's the thing that encapsulated me the most throughout the film. Uh, I, I, I love those shots that, uh, some of the establishing shots were actually very, very pretty, even in black and white, they're just were picturesque. And I, uh, I really liked some of the, the styles and angles that the, uh, the cinematographer took, um, with a lot of moments. And I think that it definitely, I have a newfound appreciation for black and white films. I think I've talked about it a little bit before, but I've never really given them much of a chance in the past. And I think that was just my technical side being overly critical and saying, "Eh, I don't want to watch an old stupid movie and bad quality, but yeah, there's, there's great ones back there and there's nice, terrible ones for us to do with cinemasochists. So I gotta, I gotta expand my horizons there. Definitely. I'm the same way where I've come to appreciate a lot of older films more, uh, especially because of this podcast and and everyone's suggestions. Um, like I said, it may not necessarily be my type of film, but uh, I'm always happy for the exposure to it. And um, yeah, the, the characters dynamics, I, I really, and I'm sure others will talk about this too. I thought were fascinating, especially obviously the two main characters um, in their interactions with people and the way that they would let shots linger scenes would, you know, sort of linger Um I, I like that. Like, obviously that's a great way to build tension and you know, they didn't really have necessarily, I don't think like a score, like there was like background noise and there was music playing at times, but obviously there's a lot of films nowadays that rely so heavily on the score to build tension and not the acting or the cinematography to build tension. And that's something that this did really well. I think, and you all might know more cause you probably have seen a lot more Italian cinema than I have probably speaks to just other cultures and other ways of, yeah, Dale's like, yeah, you know, a little, um, but uh, yeah, just, yeah, just I've, how, I've just recently started it. squid game, which I'm late to mm-hmm. um, everybody was talking it up and, and saying how great it was. And uh, uh, 
somebody finally said something that that clicked for me and made me want to watch it, which was that it's sort of a metaphorical explanation for what Korean culture is like. And that's why when people protest in Korea now, they wear Squid Game apparel. Mm -hmm. And I actually brought it up to my daughter and said, you know, do you know anything about Squid Game? Because I knew it was popular enough she'd probably heard of it. And she's like, yeah, I know some people that watch it and I've seen like the characters. And apparently she knew who one of the actresses was from seeing pictures of her from that show because she's always looking at pictures of people to get ideas for how to cosplay better. Mm. So I asked her if she'd be interested in watching it with me. And she was like, maybe. So (laughs) Hannah and I binged like the first four episodes yesterday and loved it. Yeah. It's fascinating. So yeah, you're exposed to other cultures. I think this film helps me to see that in Italian cinema as well. Um, Yeah. So I'd love to see, I'd love to hear what, um, Someone with, you know, a Korean background, uh, you know, Korean American or uh, or an immigrant or something like that would would say about it. Um, yeah, it'd be great to have have somebody come on that can talk about that with us. Uh, I can kind of chime in a little bit early on that, I guess, if you yeah. want. Um, so I, the history on this movie, it's one of three movies. It's kind of part of a trilogy by the director. Uh, the first one being La Ventura, the second one being this one, and then the third being something called La Clisse. I haven't seen the third one yet. I've actually been watching them in order. Um, but the kind of the overarching theme of them, it is like desolation and isolation. The first one is a party of people lands on an island and someone magically disappears and the movie doesn't show it disappear him disappear. And you spend most of the movie walking around the island with these people trying to figure out what happened to him. It's got a lot of suspense to it. Um, But I think the other piece of this one is, even though this is Italian, I think it's definitely part of the the new wave movement from the time period. Um, So there's some storytelling things that you would kind of see just as a general rule for the time period, like uh, new wave cinema. So that's there's I think that's part of the culture that you're probably seeing more than anything on this, but. Right on. Um, Alicia, what did you think of Lenate? Overall, I liked it. It was uh, not something that I was going to watch and then feel like, hey, like, let's go party. I mean, it's it's like, uh, yeah. it's it's a midlife crisis movie, kind of. So, um, you know, it, it takes the death of a good friend to kind of uh, make this couple, the wife in particular, kind of reevaluate some of her choices and how she really feels about things. And mm-hmm. essentially, she realizes that um, either she's fallen out of love for her husband, or it seemed like there were also hints that maybe she really never loved him to begin with, but but liked him and, you know, maybe liked the idea and stuff like that. And um, and he's he's been known to be a passionate guy and was apparently to for them in the past and because she had read one of his love letters towards the end when they're on the beach. Um, but uh, and, and he was definitely passionate with new encounters he had, uh, including <laughs> with a someone who had some mental health issues in the hospital that he was like, okay, then let's just jump right into bed with her. Uh, and, uh, then with, uh, you know, even his wife kind of hinted at a girl he would like at the party in the final scene of the main, the night, which is what the title is. So, um, yeah, I really, I, I liked kind of following it because I felt like 
for the wife, you're you're figuring out what she's thinking about. You you can tell right from the beginning, it, it you know the catalyst is this sickness and death of a very good friend of theirs. But as to you know, is she brewing and and uh, brooding about like death? Is it you know things undone? Like what exactly is it? And then you start to realize that as she's walking around aimlessly around town, or maybe maybe there is an aim to it where she's going for her reasons, but. You you kind of see the the wheels turning in her head as she's observing things, and yeah. I thought she did an amazing job of um, acting with just the expressions on her face. I, she was remarkable, and it was kind of refreshing to see, uh, especially in a lot of these films from that time in Italy, and and you know even in the United States, that the leading woman is someone who is more middle aged. I mean, she still looks she's still a stunner, you know, like you would have as a movie starlet in a lot of these films, but but she's someone who's had some years and has some experience, which I think you had to have for this role. So overall, I really liked it. I think uh, the parts that maybe I felt like it was a little slow, like there's so much intention in that, kind of like a Gene Dillman thing, like the you, you need to be in for the long <laughs> stairs and the, you know, look feeling the old condemned building and this kind of stuff to like kind of see where she's at and trying to figure things out. Um, I did really like uh, when uh, I think her, the character name is Valentina appears at the end. Who's this other possible love interest. Like I was really like excited about kind of her in the mix and, and, you know, kind of then we've got another character's dynamics to add and see what that, you know, changes up with the main couple. So that part I thought was one of the highlights. Right on. Uh, Josh, how about you? Yeah, so I, I actually wanted to uh, talk to you guys about it. Like we were talking about, uh, or like uh, Nathan and Alicia were talking about the the new wave aspect of it and the space in the movie. And whenever I watch movies like this, I think about like in the extended takes, it gives me time to think about what is the director trying to say here, and what should I be taking away from this <laughs> scene. And I wondered. We start with a skyscraper, and we end with them in the mud <laughs> making out. And I was wondering, what do you think the director was trying to say with that contrast there? I always I Nathan? love opening shots and end shots in movies. And <laughs> well, to see I mean, so I think with this is a thinker, for sure, <laughs> for sure, of a movie. And I got to see it a second time this time, so I kind of knew... Because a lot of the reveal of like how they felt about the people they interacted with all kind of happens in the last 10, 15 minutes of this. You're kind of left guessing and pondering on your own all the way up to that point for the first time you watch it. Second time you watch it, you know a lot more. And so you're, you're, you're having a, a whole nother conversation in your head about why is she walking up the stairs, you know, and you start noticing things like I, you know, this time, I mean, I walked, I watched this first, the first time I watched it, I was cold. I had no idea what the movie was really even about. So, you know, the whole ponderance of like, okay, you're, it's like an obvious, like an elevator ride going down in the opening credits and you're just going down and down this glass stark building. And I think, I don't know if it has anything specific to do with the ending, the way it went from one to the other. Now, maybe there's more to it than that. And someone that really knows a lot more about this movie could say it, but I kind of felt the second time I'm watching it, it's a little bit about how their marriage is dissolving and going down and down and down. You know, that's kind of what I got. And it's isolation. There's, there's a lot of isolation in this movie, whether it's, you know, just them, you, you, like a lot of the backgrounds are very plain or very simple. There's nothing going on in them. Almost could be like a white screen um, or green screen, I guess, but 
it's a black and white. There you go. Uh, but I think the other piece <laughs> of it is, you know, just in the soundtrack, I mean, Dale kind of mentioned it. There isn't really a score to this. There's some jazz that happens throughout as incidental music, uh, especially at the party. And it's, it's, very I'm sweet. I'm very glad sweet it's there. Jazz. But yeah, the jazz and, and like in the little dance club they go to on the date. But for the most part, like when she's walking around town, it is completely isolated, way qu- eerily quiet. Like if you try to record this in the town, you wouldn't get that kind of sound. There's there's probably a Foley guy somewhere after the whole thing shot just putting what exactly the director wanted in there. So I think that's what I would take away from that. Which also, too, real quick, Nathan, I think that's interesting that it's set in Milan as opposed to Rome or someplace else in Italy that might Florence, perhaps, or Venice. You know, Mm -hmm. um, I don't think we really we know a lot about the city of Milan, but at this point in time, especially post-World War II, you know, that was really fascinating. I really enjoyed seeing the starkness to it just a little bit more than Mm -hmm. like the hustle and bustle of Rome or Florence or any of those other, you know, main Italian cities. So I wonder too, if that with the director's purpose or, you know, intention um, made a lot of difference in which city was chosen to, to host the the story, you know? I mean, comparing Rome to Milan is like comparing uh, New York to Miami. I mean, it's almost like (laughs) going to a different country. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, well, they really were originally different Pittsburgh. countries. Yeah, I mean, because I mean, that you know, the thing about what I was thinking is, you know, Milan is such like, I mean, it's it's already kind of a stark city even today. It's got it, it's just very industrial, lots of corporations and businesses. Even though it's like a center of fashion, so I think you know. It, we don't want to show the scenic Italy because that's a romanticized view of Italy. Here's the reality of Italy. Guess what? Here's the reality of this marriage. You know what I mean? Like it is, this is what's happening there. And when Josh was talking about showing the building at the beginning and then at the end, you know, they're in the sand or in the mud. And I, you know, I kept noticing during the movie, lots of references to like construction, technology like changes like things being built things changing all around them and like when she'd been wandering all day and then she calls him and says hey you know i'm i'm at our spot you know where we used to go or whatever come over here and you know get me and then he arrives somebody and somebody that i used to go that's right so they're <laughs> you know what are their what's their discussion oh all this hasn't changed oh but this has look at these railroad tracks they're all grown over now you know what i mean so it's like all this stuff about the change that's happening new things are you know coming about and they can't totally go back to the old way which is kind of the marriage even in the opening shot like right i noticed this too and just glad you said that um, right after the opening credits you see a car pulling up to the hospital but they make an intentional point of driving them by like some construction guys beaten on the street and uh, then you see them pull up to the front door of the hospital like okay that was intentional <laughs> really yeah, intentional yeah. I, no- I noticed right away like the crane starts to like dip and fall and like they have to avoid the crane and it's already like mm-hmm. there's just yeah. obstacles in their way from the very get-go. <laughs> well, and that when is it Tommaso is the friend who's dying in the hospital and, you know, the helicopters are going by and he's like, oh, helicopters, you know, like all these comments constantly about, you know, things to things today, you know, kind of a thing happening throughout. Yeah, so uh, I I watched it this afternoon um, and I wish I had an extra two hours at the end to go back and watch it a second time. Um, I really enjoyed it, and I feel like I missed a lot 
with my eyes moving between the subtitle and the picture, which is always, you know, a, a drawback to a subtitled movie. But I think it's one that's worth seeing a second time um, to to get more out of it now that I kind of know the basic story. Um, I'll start at the end when it says, fine. Um, I, you know, I think it was a little better than that, but, you know, they set expectations low. Um, it's Italian, and uh, I wrote it down by trying to phonetically spell Lenat in French. And I completely butchered it and couldn't find it and had to ask Nathan again for the title because I, I didn't hear it and didn't spell it. So... Um, to give a couple of Joe Bob style uh, drive-in totals, um, we had gratuitous wine glass burlesque, uh, and we had brown people naughty bits, including crotch foo and wang doodle sling. So, yeah, sure we've seen it before, but have we seen it in Italian in a black and white film? <laughs> I think not. If yeah, you know that, what I mean, and I think you do. Yeah. That scene was fascinating. That was probably one of the most, like, fully on encapsulating. I was just like, what is happening Could here? you imagine them trying to release that movie at that time in this country? Oh, my goodness. No. Like, half-naked black people? No. Yeah. It would have... It would have been well, more than half. No, but I think they could have because, uh, unfortunately, what, it's 1961. They're the entertainment. It's the Cotton Club. Of, I mean, which it is here, too. I mean, those sure. are the only characters of color in yeah. the film are the entertainers who are taking their clothes off in an erotic dance. I mean, absolutely. But I can see the MPAA making them cut that scene down. A bit. Add a few more layers of clothing. Maybe. Like yeah. so many zooms into crotches in that routine that... Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if you're allowed to show that much, that much uh, uh, taint in in an American <laughs> film in 1961 without getting a an X rating. So, and not a drop to waste. No, no. no. Pure, pure professional. It's like this is the ultimate sommelier right here. <laughs> Surely makes me want some wine. Uh, <laughs> So, I wonder, uh, I'm sorry, I just want real quick. I wonder what uh, Tommaso would have would have been into that because you know how he had him pour the champagne when he was in the hospital and just yeah, like, let's I talk have one about for that. You. And then he's like, <laughs> which hospital is in, this? Tommaso's like, yay. Yes, uh, what a the nurse just comes in with bottle service. <laughs> what? How much is that costing on the hospital bill? My God, it's probably socialized <laughs> medicine, but it's amazing. Uh. What a luxury. Yeah. That, that, what Italians view as a necessity while in the hospital, I guess. I'll take it. Yeah. yeah. Doesn't that sound great? <laughs> yeah, I was I was glad to see it. And I, I also thought um, that I feel like I know Nathan a little bit better and he knows me a little bit better because this seemed to me like uh, a, another film that sort of uh, a virtual travel film. I got to go to Milan sort of the same way I got a day in Paris with that Tati movie. Um, but I appreciated this one the first time I watched it instead of like 
noping out of the comedy and watching it at quicker speed because it was just taking so freaking long. So I'm still a little upset about that, Dale. Just letting you know. I, I won't do it again, I promise. All right. I promise. <laughs> it was it was yeah, it was Uncool. just a lot. I know. I know. <laughs> I know. So um, uh Alicia, it's your turn to suggest a movie. What would you like for us to watch? Uh I'm going into something cold. I have not seen this movie that I am picking, but okay. it kind of piqued my interest because I heard a little discussion about it uh, in, we were listening to um, a podcast that was talking about some great picks for Noir November or Noir Vember. And uh, they mentioned a film that they said was a more modern film that had a lot of noir themes. And I was like, I don't know this film at all. How do I not know this film? Uh, and in the very quick, like two minute synopsis, I was like, this might be something I need to check out. I haven't had a chance to watch it. So bear with me. I may hate it like the rest of you if we all don't like it. But uh, it's called Deep Cover. It's from 1992. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the synopsis is a uniformed cop is recruited by a drug enforcement agent to infiltrate a drug smuggling ring looking to expand its operation. And it's got Lawrence Fishburne and Jeff Goldblum. Nice. That sounds like fun. I haven't seen that one. Well, thanks everybody for the discussion on La Note and we will see you on the next deeply discussing movie podcast. Thanks for listening. Thank you.